You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast with Mike and Mike. How are you this week? We are here to talk all about Glow, the gorgeous ladies of professional wrestling. Season three is here already. Can you believe it? Just felt like yesterday we were talking about, hey, they're doing a show on Netflix about Glow, and I wonder how it's going to be. And three seasons later, we're here. It's pretty awesome. And we watched it. We enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm very curious to hear what everyone thinks about this because this season was a little bit different than the other two. And speaking of being different than the other two, here's Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you? Are you with us this week? I am with you. I've got, uh, I've got pre-con crud, though. So, um, you know, I figured why wait till after Dragon Con? Let's go ahead and just get the sickness, get the crud out of my system, in and out, so that uh, I can enjoy the convention and hopefully uh, be have a quicker recovery afterwards. So trying something new this year. I think that's a great idea. I think you have, you know, you're going to be immune to any of the concred that you get at Dragon Con usually. So this that's is the hope. I think it's a good thing. And, you know, we're looking forward to really seeing everybody this weekend at Dragon Con. So it's going to be a blast. And probably by the time you're listening to this, you're going to be at Dragon Con or wishing you were at Dragon Con or probably thinking, God, I'm happy Mike and Mike are going to stop talking about Dragon Con. <laughs> Those are for the folks who live out of town, right? <laughs> Do we ever stop talking about Dragon Con? I think there's 10 minutes in October. When I mean, talk, we devoted talking a whole about podcast to it. So obviously we try to get out most of, it's kind of like Dr. Who, right? We, we were talking about it so much that we branched it off into its own podcast. And yet we still find ourselves talking about it. You know, we can't help it. Exactly. It both. It's things we love. We, you know, we always talk about the things we love and Dragon Con is just one of those. And, you know, Dragon Con has a big history with us. And we're going to talk all about that in a few minutes. But we wanted to hear from you guys. We want to hear from you guys because some of you might be listening to this after the con. We want to hear about your memories. You know, you could either send us audio clips or such, or you could write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. We would definitely love to hear from you. Also, please, you know, if you're enjoying the show, if you're enjoying what we're doing, please you know subscribe to our show and while you're subscribing to it also leave us a review and you know rate us you know five stars that's the way to go and we really appreciate it you are up on all major podcast networks and you know you could find us you know stitcher itunes spotify and we're we got more coming we're working on getting on iHeartRadio. and get this folks we are even trying to get up on alexa that sounded weird, but we're trying to get on Alexa. That's all we need. <laughs> you know, I just, I, as I was saying it, I was just like, yeah, Mike, stop, 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 stop. So we're just, you know, we're trying to get everywhere to make it convenient for you to hear us. And also, you know, we definitely would appreciate it. We also appreciate our patrons. We love you guys. And I want to give a big shout out to our newest patron. That's right. Just this week. A new patron, let's say howdy to Christine Elkridge. 
and that's right. I think she is um, Kevin of the Flopcast sister. So, really, you don't think there's a lot of elder? You don't think the Eldridge clan is that huge? Oh, I think they're very huge. You know, I think they probably rule most of Chicken Town, from what I hear. And I, <laughs> I, I know, you know, they have put Felicity as the mayor, but I think the rest of them are Eldridges. You know. So thank you, Christine. We appreciate it. And yes, you could become a patron of the ESO Network too. For only as little as 25 cents a week, you can become a patron and you can go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. It's that easy, folks. And we are going to have so many panels from Dragon Con as bonus episodes for our patrons. And so that's the only way you're going to be able to hear them this year, folks. So we're going to have our ESO panel that we're doing for Galaxy Quest's 25th anniversary. So we're going to be doing that next week as for Earth Station 1. But the rest of the panels, you're going to have to go and you know try to hook up with Patreon. It's worth it, folks. Trust us. It's just not us talking. It's other folks, too. So just saying that. You know, it's pretty cool. So we said earlier that we're going to talk a little bit about some Dragon Con love and everything. I figured it'd be appropriate right before Dragon Con for you and me, Mike, to talk all about our history at Dragon Con. You know, favorite moments, you know, good, bad, and, you know, indifferent. You know, we you've been going, how many years is this one for you? Uh, let's see. I started in 94. So this will be 25 Oh, wow. Yeah, is that did, did I do the math on that right? Yeah. It's my 25th. This is my 25th Dragon Con. Because you haven't missed any since you started going. I have not missed a single one. Not wow. since 94. That's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, that's how much I love it. So, um, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's not just something I say. That's like, <laughs> that is, uh, you know, um, I, I just, I really do. I get it. People have to take a break. Some people, you know, it's not for everybody, but for me, it's, it's my jam. It's what I look forward to every year. And, uh, so yeah, I've been going since, uh, 94. Uh, this will be my 10th year as a guest. Wow. Very, very honored by that. Uh, that is something that I only back in the nineties, I only dreamed that could happen. And uh, now it's happened so often and I still don't take it for granted because uh, it's just, it's amazing to me that, uh, that I, that the con that I love so much allows me to be a part of it. So that's pretty darn awesome, dude. That is really awesome. Cause this is going to be my 15th dragon con coming okay. up because 2004, it's a little hazy with that. Cause we went to the parade. Does that count? Nah, sure. I mean, and, and on some levels, yes. Okay, because 2004, I took William to the parade for the first time. And then we figured that we loved it so much that we would actually go in. And we went in in 2005. And we went for two days, I think. And we just had a blast. And we've been going ever since. And this is going to be, I'm going to say, my ninth year as a guest. Well, originally an attending professional and now a guest. So, you know. It's kind of cool that, you know, we've gotten to that point and I'd still be coming if, even if I wasn't, I, hell, I probably would even, I'm not going to say it too loud, but I probably would even possibly volunteer if I wasn't a guest because <laughs> well, that's how, that's I mean, how much I love it. You know? But you are even a guest and you, you do volunteer a little bit. So, 
you know, oh, you, I do. You do yeah. a lot for the the newbies, and uh, you know, you do a lot throughout the show. So, um, you know, you're kind of already on that on that level. That's true because I do the newbie tours every year, and this is going to be my fourth year doing the newbie tours, and then also. You know, I also help out with the classic sci-fi track a lot and, you know, help them set up for panels or help them clear out rooms and, you know, things like that. And also the same thing, I help out with the uh, new media track. I'm actually I'm one of the sponsors for the new media track. Well, ESO is. So, you know, we're we're trying to get up there. So, so yeah, I guess we are. And we also, you know, help uh, you know as guests we also let people know you, you know we've done it for the this could be our fourth year doing it we're going to be offering a five guest spots on earth station one as a you know basically for the auction for the charity auction pretty cool and yeah. that's how we met our friend Lacey. that's right that's how yeah. we found yep because it was the best 50 cents she ever spent, as I told <laughs> And, you know, so definitely, you know, if you want to, you know, get up here and sit with me and Mike for the full episode, not just a segment. If you want to join it, you know, get involved with the charity auction for Dragon Con. Because that's one of the things they're going to be giving away once again. And, and, uh, and of course, Dragon Con means a lot to us here on Earth Station One because it actually represents the first time that Mike and I actually met in person. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, actually. Is <laughs> that, that is actually one of my highlights of Dragon Con. Back in 2010 at Dragon Con, you and I met on Thursday for the first yeah, time. Yeah, for the first time. Yep. I mean, we'd known each other. We'd actually been doing the podcast for a little while. Yeah, you had been on the podcast for two months at that point. Yeah. But we never met face to face. And, right. you know, we had restraining orders against that and everything. But, you know, in all honesty, I met you and Bill the first time. Right. And I met you and William. Exactly. And the rest is history, you know, and all good things. It's, it was actually, you know, you meet so many people at it. But, you know, Mike and I, you know, been doing this forever. And I consider him one of my dearest friends. And I, consider you know truthfully this is you know our chance this is for not we always call it a geek family reunion this is an eso network family reunion every year at dragon con and that for me is always a highlight when we sit in the room all together at the end of the con on sunday night and we're just like ah, we made it through another one and talk about the con and you know just doesn't matter how many of us show up sometimes you know we've had it where it's just like five of us there or we've had more recent times where there's like 30 or more people there but ta all of us talking about our highlights at the con and it's just been awesome yeah that's uh it's funny because uh, michelle and i kind of have a ritual uh because she doesn't she's never been to dragon con really really and uh just not her thing you know uh crowds especially um so you know it's cool. Um, but so she's never been to Dragon Con, but we always, of course, meet up afterwards because after Dragon Con's done on Monday, I come home. And so once I'm home and uh, once uh, I'm back in the presence of Michelle, she always asks me the same thing. How was it? And I, uh, you know, and I always say it was the best Dragon Con ever. And, and I don't lie. 
because every year is amazing. Every year something happens that wouldn't have happened, wouldn't have been possible the year before. Um, it just is, it's an amazing experience and it keeps getting better and better and better. And does that mean that like, you know, that every single moment is, is great? No, there's been obviously some bad things that have happened uh, over the 20 some years, but you know, that's pale in comparison to the amazing things that have happened. Um, it's just, yeah, things that have never happened to me at other conventions and other conventions are cool. I've had great experiences, at a lot of other conventions, but Dragon Con consistently uh, gives me moments where I've just, I look back on, look, I'm getting to the age where my memory is getting shoddy, right? Like I can remember some things, not other things, that kind of thing. But uh, there are moments that, it, that happen at Dragon Cons that I will never forget. Now, I can't tell you what year they happened, <laughs> because that's i you know the it always kind of blends into one now like i don't know what you know what happened in 2001 compared to you know 1980 1998 the last year you know sometimes uh because it just seems like it's one big dragon con adventure to me but uh yeah it's um pretty special oh yeah there's certain times you know i had to go back i would have to sit there and really think what year did that happen what was the year that you know that William dressed as Oogie Boogie and, you know, like that, or the year that, you know, we did the, you know, ESO recording in an empty shop front in the Peachtree Center Mall. And we had the security guard walk in on us and he said, Hey, what are you doing? And we told him, he said, Oh, can I join? <laughs> you know? Right. And so it's just, you know, there's always cool things like that. And, you know, the year when we went, we were interviewing, you know, Lou Ferrigno with a couple other podcasters and Judy was sitting in the back and, you know, she wasn't paying attention. And he was like, Hey, you in the back, do you have any questions for me? And she was like, uh, 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 no, no, I'm with him. (laughs) You know, and it's, it's just awesome. You know, when you have those kind of things, you know, and God, I couldn't, I have to go back and look at the pictures all the time to remember all the zillions of costumes we've seen over the years. And that's just one of the things with Dragon Con that drew me to it was all the cosplay. And that's been happening since, since I've been going since the last 25 years. I mean, I can remember being amazed at costumes back then. Um, and to see how it's grown has just been amazing. I mean, it, it was always fun to people watch, and it still is fun. There's a lot more people to watch now, uh, but it's uh, that's still always fun to do. Exactly. Is if I I always try to make it a point that every Dragon Con to take a break, whether it's 15 minutes, half an hour, you know, whatever I can spare, and just sit in somewhere and then watch people watch. Just watch people go by, watch people in costumes, not not in a creepy way, um, but uh, just in a way where it's just so enjoyable to see so many people. Uh, that uh, just enjoying themselves and having fun letting their, you know, geek flag fly. Oh, of course. And that's one of the kind of cool things. You see people there that you wouldn't expect to see dressed up or enjoying Dragon Con. It's always more of, you know, you expect, you know, that, oh, you know, used to seeing 
different types of people, but you see people who, you know, you work in your office with and you see, you know, you're into Dragon Con. They're like, oh yeah, I come every year. And it's just like, why did I not know that? You know, (laughs) it's pretty darn awesome. And, you know, there's been things I wish I didn't see at Dragon Con. You know, there's been a lot of great costumes, but there's been some costumes that have been burnt into my mind. It's just like, oh, I can't get rid of those images. Ah, it's tough. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, it, it makes me the person that I am, as I like to say. The cool thing about Dragon Con, though, and I'm just going to come out and say it right here, is that when I went to my first couple of Dragon Cons, there was no way I could have imagined how much we are involved with the con now. And when I mean involved with doing a podcast about it, uh, being doing panels, doing, you know, working with the media, working with, you know, different you know, directors and, you know, the organization of it. It's like, I would have never have ever guessed that kind of thing. And it's just pretty spectacular. Yeah. It's really nice that, uh, you know, and on some level we can give back, you know, to, to the convention. It's, I mean, for years I just went as an attendee and that was fun. That was fantastic. But when I had the opportunity to, to do more, um, and when I had the opportunity to, you know, it wasn't very long before when we were doing this podcast that we mentioned Dragon Con and it was pretty, you know, I mean, I remember quite specifically that I wanted to devote at least a whole show to it, if not two shows. And then that became like its own podcast. So uh, that was something that I definitely wanted to help, um, you know, help promote and help uh, encourage. And of course, so, so yes, you can thank me and my promotional efforts for the convention growing exponentially over the last 25 years. Oh, of course, you know, all you had to do was do the magic howdy and people came running and they said, let's do it on labor day. And they did. Yeah. So if you think it's too, too many people, that's, that's my bad. Sorry. Oh, Mikey, 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 what can you've done? You know? And, but it's, it's really awesome that, you know, seeing how much it's grown and there's been growing pains. We've we've seen through, we've lived through a few of them, and that's kind of the neat thing with Dragon Con, is you know as it grows, we're growing with it in some ways, and I think it's pretty awesome, and I'm going to be very curious to see where it goes over the next few years. Well, certainly the next episode of uh, Earth Station One will be a live episode recorded at. Uh, at Dragon Con of our panel where we are celebrating the anniversary of Galaxy Quest. And that's going to be a blast. Um, and then we're going to have some interviews that uh, that um, our fellow ESO Network folks are going to put together for us. And then after that, the week after that, then you can hear Mike and I, because we'll be recovered by then. Hopefully, maybe a little bit. <laughs> My voice will probably sound even worse than this then. Um, but uh, so in two weeks, uh, we'll be talking all about our memories from this year's Dragon Con. Yeah, exactly. And by then, you know, we'll be, you know, sickly free and we'll be sober and we'll be in recovery. No, let's not not go crazy. We probably will still have some pie in us left. Well, you know, there is a 12-step program to get over it, so it's okay. (laughs) So, yeah, you know. And, uh, but yes, so... 
Um, I'm hoping that this year and this year already looks like it's going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of special moments. There's some things, there's some opportunities happening here that, uh, that I'm really excited about and not just for me, but for other people as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, you know, and that's the other thing too, is that, you know, that's not just always about me, um, and what, I experienced a dragon con, but sometimes I really just like watching or knowing friends who are going through things uh, for the first time. If that's, if it's their first dragon con ever, I'm so excited for them. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I'm really curious and, and obviously we're going to do one more uh, post con uh, dragon con report podcast. So uh, you'll want to make, if you guys did go to dragon con, you probably, as you're listening to this, you'll still have time to email us or send us an audio file of what memories you had at this convention uh, this weekend. I think that's a perfect way to end it. I think it's cool because we definitely will want to hear from you guys too. So please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. There's a lot of memories to happen and we want to hear from them. But, you know, as they do say, what happens at Dragon Con stays at Dragon Con. Until it's all over Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and elsewhere. <laughs> with that being said, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment with the Geek Seat. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. Now, before we dive into the new movies coming out in theaters and on DVD this weekend, I cannot resist an opportunity to talk at least a little bit about the new footage that we have seen released from Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. This was a sizzle reel that they showed at the Disney convention over the weekend, D23, and then was publicly released on Monday. Now, it's not a full trailer. It shows some highlights of some of the past movies, but also shows us some key new images from Star Wars Episode Nine. I am super intrigued about what the plot of this movie is going to be. I have a lot of guesses, but I am definitely keeping an open mind for whatever they want to give us. Of course, one of the things that people are most talking about is, of course, Dark Ray with that amazing double-bladed red lightsaber. As for what that could mean in the story, who can say? I'm personally leaning towards the idea that it is a vision, that either this is some trick of Palpatine's or he's trying to convince Ray to turn to the dark side or maybe convince others that Ray has already turned to the dark side. I don't think she's definitely going to end up in the dark side permanently, but definitely a cool visual there. Um, some amazing shots of a whole bunch of huge fleet of star destroyers. We get to see a little bit more of the planets that this movie is going to take place on. And then, of course, um, Ray and Kylo's big duel on what I'm guessing are the ruins of the Death Star in the middle of an ocean, which is just an amazing image in and of itself. And I think that's going to be a really epic fight. Um, I saw some people joking on Twitter that um, if they have already been willing to reveal the fact that Palpatine is coming back and there's this dark side ray, what other treats are they saving for us in the movie? But anyway, that's still four months to go until we can see that movie. But I'm really excited about it and appreciated seeing some new footage. 
Now, back to movies coming out this weekend. Again, since the summer movie season is over, there's not really a whole lot going on at this point. But there is a movie I hadn't heard about, but I'm actually pretty intrigued by. It's called Don't Let Go, Relive. And it's a thriller that is about a detective who receives a phone call from his niece who was murdered. And they work together in two different time streams to stop the murder from happening. I think this is a really intriguing idea of the split time stream. You have two people kind of working back and forth to change um, one person's past and another person's future. Sounds like it could be a really cool sci-fi concept. And on DVD this week, we have the Elton John movie Rocket Man. If you did not get a chance to see it, this is a really special movie. Um, they really embrace, I think, who Elton John is and his imagination. And they might play a little bit looser with history of what actually happened. But again, I think they really capture his spirit. And it's filmed kind of as a musical, actually, working in his songs into the story. And it's just a great film. Amazing costumes and wonderful music. And I really enjoyed it. And I hope that you get a chance to see it if you haven't yet. And then also on DVD, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, this is one that I was really looking forward to, but ended up being just a little bit disappointed. I mean, the scenes with the monsters were great. Like watching Godzilla have all these huge battles with monsters was amazing. And I was riveted to the screen every time that was happening. But these movies just can't seem to get the humans quite right. And while it is fair to say, you know, we all go to these movies for the monsters, but it feels like they're trying too hard to make like the humans an interesting part of it too, but they can't quite get there. And then it subtracts from the rest of the film. So I'm definitely still more interested to see in this universe. And it's this movie is definitely worth seeing for the monster fights, but just now going in that they haven't quite nailed, I don't think that magic formula yet, but hopefully we'll get there. And that's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog, boxofficebuzzab.wordpress.com. This week, I'm continuing my first-time viewing of Game of Thrones, and I've made it to Season 6. The answer. The ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything is 42. That's right, Broad Speculation, and on the 42 cast, we bring you drama-free discussions on television shows, movies, video games, novels, and comics. So don't bother thinking about the question, just go straight to the answer. It's only on the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it is time for the Geek Seat segment. Our new victim this week is Anderson. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, how you doing? Howdy, sir. Welcome to the station. All right. For those people who may not be aware of you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, my name is Anderson. That is my first name, not my last name. It is a common misconception. Uh, but I am a comic artist uh, in Atlanta. Um, I make my own comic series called Fear Hunters. It's a uh, kind of a psychological thriller about these guys that hunt down phobias, these giant monsters. Um, and I, I like to draw monsters. That's kind of kind of where it all started and 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 how long have you been drawing monsters oh i've been drawing monsters for years but uh fear hunters is kind of a new thing it's only i've only started making it it's, it comes out quarterly this year so uh issue three just came off the presses um and currently working on issue four so very exciting yeah 
Yes, I, I have read uh, issues one and two, and uh, they're very mm-hmm. solid, very solid, and very fun. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. What, what would you say your influences are? Uh, well, Trad Moore was the artist that definitely got me into comics first. I was I read his stuff in school and was like, I I am here for this. Um, I always loved Mike Mignola's Hellboy stuff like just and so there's a lot of there's a lot of like story stuff that i take from hellboy and the um the bureau of paranormal research and defense like that whole thing i'm very much inspired by that in terms of my world building um then there's a couple other artists like james heron uh uh, stephen green um some sean crystal in there yeah that yeah, and I can I can definitely see a lot of that, um, but not in a derivative way. I mean, very very, it feels still f- pretty fresh. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> Absolutely. Like um, yeah, so- I like to try to find those little things that I can pull out of one art. Be like, all right, I like how he does this, so I'm going to try to grab, steal that from him, and then grab this from this other guy, <laughs> and then put in, throw in my own little thing to tie it together. Now, is this uh, is this your first published work? So this is, I'm currently self-publishing Fear Hunters. Uh, I did work uh, as a flatter and uh, file, I guess, setter-upper on uh, the Invader Zim comic with Oni Press. Um, And uh, I've worked on a few anthologies with some other uh, people, just some smaller anthologies. Um, But yeah, so for now, it's just just self-publishing, which is really interesting because I feel like I'm getting the opportunity to really get my... uh, you know, my hands dirty in the, you know, understanding formatting and getting it to print and all that. I hate all that stuff. Like I hate having to do that, but it's really, I think it's really helpful right now for, um, you know, just knowing how to do that. Absolutely. And that's the best attitude to have because any publishing publishing is definitely a dirty business. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I kind of have to have that right now or I'm going to go insane. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but it is so rewarding. I mean, there's nothing that beats, uh, you know, that box when it arrives and you, you hold it in your hands, right? Oh, it's so great. Oh, so it's so great. All, yeah, I, I had to order some new stuff for a con coming up. So I was like, oh, man, can't wait for this to come in so I can take it to the con. Well, I definitely, like I said, I'm excited by uh, the book. And uh, for those people who haven't got a chance, to, what's, the, what's the elevator pitch? So the elevator pitch, it's uh, these two two partners that work for an agency that hunt down phobias. So when you get afraid of something, it manifests a giant monster, a phobe or phobia. Uh, For example, the first issue is catsaridophobia, where uh, these, um, which is the fear of cockroaches. So this guy sees a cockroach, gets scared of a cockroach, and it manifests a giant cockroach monster. Then the fear hunters have to come in and take it out. Uh, and there's like all these, you know, rules and and style and ways that they can take out a phobe. Like they're afraid of uh, steel and all this other cool stuff. Um, but yeah, so then like we get to see the relationship between these two partners. That you know, it's it's classic. We've got the guy that um, is the veteran. He's been with the force for forever. And then there's the newbie that has no idea what he's doing. And they, I kind of try to poke fun at that trope. Uh, I haven't really considered myself. Like, in the past, I've worked with other writers, um, so I'm really trying to flex my writing as well. Because for the, for a long time, I specifically said I'm not a writer, but I'm trying not to do that anymore and to just be like, I'm a writer as well. I'm a storyteller, 
and just trying to test my sea legs as it were as to how to tell the story but it's fun so there's like it i, I always liked serial like monster of the week shows um on tv and so it's kind of like that we've got your phobia of the of the week each issue and then you've got the underlying thread of what's going on between these two guys what's there's like you know outside threats and internal threats what's you know so there's there's some some weaving and turns that come across and, yeah and uh and certainly with with you writing and you know doing all the art and everything you're you're doing the true you're taking the true cartoonist path right yes oh yeah yeah <laughs> um it it's it's crazy i i also experienced when collaborating with other people um because i thought of this idea while working on another project with someone and i thought about handing the reins over to him but i was just like Ooh, I really liked it. And like, I had such a specific vision for it that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go full bore, do the writing, the drawing, the colors, the lettering, the format, like just go ham. Now, um, did you, did you do any formal training for art? Uh, yes. So I went to SCAD in Atlanta. Oh yes. Um, I did, I did two years at a community college first, which I'm very, I'm very glad that I did that because I, uh, I didn't want to pay SCAD prices for, you know, <laughs> basic college classes, but <laughs> right. SCAD was, it was definitely, it was a huge, huge benefit. I, I, before SCAD, I had only ever used like technical pins, like microns and stuff. Um, but, at, but at SCAD, I had this professor, uh, who I, I credit him with like any of my skill, uh, at, in art. Cause he, he made me pick up a brush. I really didn't want to pick up a brush. I was like, why would I use a brush when there's a pen? Um, but he convinced me to do it, and I've been hooked ever since. I just use a brush, like, constantly. It's interesting, because when, uh, you know, I, I know some people that have gone to Scab, but I've never really thought about it before, but um, they must uh, take the art of comics, the art of graphic, um, sequential art, uh, pretty seriously there. They do, yeah, and... They have, um, they have it also, there's the Savannah campus is the main SCAD campus, of course, but Atlanta, I actually chose Atlanta specifically because it's smaller. And one of the benefits there is I got a lot of that specific one-on-one time with the teachers. Cause I, I realized if I went to Savannah, I would have been more, you know, one of 50 students in a class kind of thing. But I, I like had really good relationships and still do with all of my professors to be able to like, you know, like even now I'll like shoot them art and be like, Hey, something's not working. What is it? And we'll like talk about it or whatever. So it's, it's yeah. That one-on-one very specific time I think was, was helpful to, for the Atlanta campus specifically. Yeah. And it definitely seems like you're keeping up with uh, just sort of the, the, the practice of it all. I mean, you've got uh, uh, on Instagram, you've got the, the, the drawings that you do like a day each day. Yes. Yeah, man. It's been, it's been awesome. The response I've gotten. So I did right, right now it's smogist, uh, smog and August smushed together. So I'm drawing a dragon a day, uh, for the month of August. Um, and I did this last year as well. I don't know whoever, who created smogist. There's other ones like inktober, which Jake Parker made and mermaid, which, uh, Tom Bancroft made. Right, um, and I've done those as well. I, I, I've never been able to track down who made Smogist, but what I just dis- what I did last year and what I decided to do this year as well was to just go ahead and make my own prompt list and really push it out there. 
And I've gotten a huge response this year and just like a lot of people really interested in it. And I was, I was just really excited. It was, it's, it's been really good. Uh, but I will, I will like tell you, I did, I have cheated a little bit this last week because I've got Dragon Con coming up. So I actually, I've actually already finished Smogist, even though it's the, what is it? The 20, 28th, 28th. I've already, I've already finished the whole month because I needed to get it done so I can make a book for the show this weekend. Oh, very cool. Well, that's nice. I mean, you know, no harm yeah. foul there. <laughs> yeah. Had, had to, had to cram on one day and be like, all right, got to get this done. So although you may ruin your reputation, if people know that you can deliver early as an artist, that might go against you. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> having, serious yeah. artists always take really long time, right? <laughs> They'll be like, how fast can you do this? I, I'm, I'm notoriously bad at lines, so I'll be like, oh, it takes me this amount of time. And they're like, well, we expect you to do it in that amount of time. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so I've started to try to add, like, you know, a day or two. Just be like, I'll, I'll get it to you eventually. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, Mike, uh, I think it's time to find out what, what Anderson really likes and doesn't like. Well, if he <laughs> thinks he's into phobias, just wait till we tie him up. <laughs> exactly. Oh, dear. It's a good thing. And you know what, Anderson? I think you'll do great. <clears throat> yeah, I think you'll do wonderful. So, okay. All right. Are you ready for your first question in the geek seat? I th- I think so. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh huh. I like that nervousness. It sounds good. Yeah. All right, Anderson. What was your favorite geek out moment? Uh, well, I, I was honestly trying to figure out what this. What was this entailing? Like, is this like anything me, you me? want? So I guess I'm going to, I'm not, this might not be my favorite, but it's definitely the most recent. That was just awesome. I uh, went to see Godzilla, but specifically I was talking to my wife about it, who I don't think of as a, as very geeky, honestly. And she, I was like, oh man, I really want to see Godzilla King of Monsters on the big screen, but it's already left the big screen. She immediately went to her phone and she found it on a dollar theater. The last showing, she got off work early to come pick me up. And we went and saw Godzilla like on the big screen. I, I don't know. There was something about that. I was just like, I've married the perfect woman. This is, this is amazing. Wow. Does she have a sister? <laughs> She's a twin. So Hey, awesome. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? This has got to be the Hobbit films. I, because I, I just, the Lord of the Rings were like, so integral to my high school like we had a lord of the rings extended watch party every year we watched you know all four extended editions in one day every year so then the hobbit comes out and we're we're naturally like oh this is this is gonna be the best thing ever and we stayed up we went to the the midnight premiere of the movie and i remember leaving the theater just being so i even i i knit these like beard toboggans for like four of the different dwarves I mean, I was all in on it. This was this was my Phantom Menace. I was too young to like really appreciate what was happening with the Phantom Menace, but The Hobbit was my Phantom Menace, and I went there. I was like, I'm so sad now. And then oh. I even tried. I, I watched the other two because I was hoping it would turn around, but it never did. That's harsh. That's really harsh. <laughs> Something like that happens, and it's just like, oh man. Yeah. What geeks you out the most? Uh, it's it, probably just in terms of comics, like just good art. Like I have a, I have a buddy of mine that I went to school with 
and we'll just constantly send each other like art like comic a comic page that just works and you just look at it and you're like oh oh like just the flow of of the panels or the the you know i mean it could be any specific thing it could be like specifically the colors but like the line art's garbage but like we love the colors but i uh i'm one of those i think few guys that actually uses pinterest and i'm on there constantly just looking for inspiration and stuff so that's kind of that's how i geek out most is i just see good comic art and i just gush uh and it's great to do that in front of the it, with the right crowd who appreciates it also because otherwise it just looks weird yeah and then especially if you do it in front of the comic creator and because that makes them feel good and makes you feel good that they're appreciating it and it's pretty good. oh yeah yeah i love going to a to a comic show and getting to meet some of my idols and be like dude the way you did this like perfect like oh my gosh and yeah seeing the look on their face too is is pretty exciting what turns your geek off okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to the phantom menace because it's the example that i always point to but specifically i hate the hive mind trope in storytelling so in the phantom menace it's when they destroy the uh What's the name? I don't even know the name of it, but like the control tower for the droids. And then they all just power down. Or in the Avengers movies, it's when like they close the wormhole and suddenly all the the uh, Chitari aliens like just die and the big space whale just falls over. I'm like, I, I just hate it as a storytelling trope because you don't have to deal with the consequences of victory. Like, you know, you just kill the big bad guy and suddenly everyone else dies. I was, I was like, oh, I. Oh, like it just—it just feels like such a cop out. So, rest assured, when when they kill the big bad phobe and fear hunters, they'll still have to deal with all the little ones. It's, no, that's my promise. Totally understand that. Totally <laughs> understand that one. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? I don't see this is this is kind of tricky because I think this is actually possible. But Kermit the Frog. Well, yeah, just I just good. like a good banjo. All you do have to do is go to the Center for Puppetry Arts. You can meet him right there. I know it's right here. I need to. I need to go check it out. I've never actually. It's crazy because that's right next to SCAD, but I never. I never visited. But I really need to. I love puppetry. Like, I'm. I'm pretty excited about the Dark Crystal show that's coming to Netflix. I, I think it's Netflix. But yeah, I'm. I'm pretty excited to see if that if that goes well because I like puppetry. Oh yeah, I saw the exhibit they did on the Dark Crystal. There, it was truly yeah. amazing. Truly amazing. <sighs> And the detail and showing how it's done. It's just like, I missed that. I need to see it. I can't wait for the sequel or the prequel. You know, it's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm super excited. That is awesome. What fictional character would you like to meet the least? Um, so, shameless plug again, but my my story, Fear Hunters, it, it's because one of the reasons I've like come up with the story as well is I have terrible nightmares like all the time. So something a character like Scarecrow or Dr. Destiny or Mysterio, like any of these like mind trickery villains, I just, I'm not here for it. Like, (laughs) like not at all. Don't mess with my brain. Don't, don't make me see things that aren't there. I have, I have vivid enough dreams that I wonder about as is. So, (laughs) Yeah, anything that's like a, a 
a mind trip. I am, I am not here for those kind of guys. No, totally makes sense. Totally makes <laughs> sense. Did you ever read uh, Sandman by Neil Gaiman? Yes, yes. I actually do love Sand, like the Sandman story. And um, the version they did of Dr. Destiny in that one? Wait, when, when did he show up in that? Was it in, was it in like the main Sandman? Yeah, arc? at the very beginning. I need to reread it. Yep. Is it in Preludes, the, the very first volume? Yes. Okay, well, that's the only one that I have. I rented the rest from the library, so I need to I need to flip back through that. Then yeah. I just remember the Corinthian being such a badass in that. Oh, the series. Corinthian was great, but Doctor Destiny, um, he basically takes over a diner, and uh, I don't want to say anything else. <laughs> All right, well, you, you've teased me. I need to go back and read it. It's been a while. <laughs> what is your favorite geek word, phrase, or quote, or pose? Uh, well, for a very brief but very intense time, I was a, a, a Whovian, a Doctor Who guy. So I, whoever the Doctor was, I would just immediately adopt their phrase. So like it was fantastic, and then Alonzi, and then Geronimo for however long that Doctor was around. But the best one is actually the whole um, the Han Solo-Princess Leia exchange, the I love you, I know, because that's actually not not scripted like she wasn't trying to do that but that's actually what my wife said to me back when we were dating and i said i love you for the first time because she wasn't ready to say i love you <laughs> so i said i love you and she's like oh, i know and i i was like you han soloed me and she was like what i and she she like did, she wasn't trying to do it it just happened to be that way she was like what is the star wars thing you're talking about <laughs> I'm like, it's got robots in space. She's like, mm, I don't like it. She's more of a fantasy. She's more into fantasy. So. Uh, okay. Which, which I've, you know, you got, you just got to pitch Star Wars as fantasy in space because that's what it is. So, nope, totally makes sense with me. What's your ideal geek occupation? I mean, I'm a comic book artist, so I feel like I kind of already, already crushed it. Uh, but, You're living um, it, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably to be a, a Jedi and have the Force. Like, I know that's not how the Force works, but uh, I still sometimes will like stare at something across the room that I need to get, and I'm like, I bet if I tried hard enough, I could Force. I could, I could do it. <laughs> It'd be super useful sometimes. Sometimes, yes. Especially, sir. You know, you've been speeding. I haven't been speeding. <laughs> we have you going 70 in a 35. I was doing 25. <laughs> I was definitely doing 25. Don't don't worry about it. Mm, exactly. Yeah, you'd be doing that kind of thing. Yes. Give. <laughs> yes. Let the person pass. It's like, yeah, okay, okay. You're using your Jedi powers for good and evil. You're right in between. Perfect. Yeah. What geek occupation would you not like to do? Uh, this is one I, I really couldn't think of anything specific, but really it's just numbers just in general. I mean, I just don't, I don't do numbers, especially if you put a dollar sign in front of it. I, it just doesn't compute. Uh, I mean, most things, most things end up going back to my wife. So she's an accountant. So I, you know, I, I don't have to do it now. So I just like, oh, just exported that need in my life. Um, you know this is making more and more sense all the time oh yeah oh it should it yeah <laughs> it's pretty straightforward nope totally i think that's pretty awesome though 
Oh, very cool. Are you ready for your final question in the Geek I'm scene? ready for my final question. Okay. Anderson, what is your ultimate geek fantasy? Okay. All right. So it's actually, it's, it's relatively simple, but it's a world of possibilities. I, I just want to be Nightcrawler, but I really would rather not be blue. So maybe I want to be uh, Christian Hayden from, or Hayden Christensen from Jumper. The key is I want to teleport. That's all. That's what I'm after here, because I, that's that's everything. I I hate traffic, especially you know living in Atlanta. Uh, I I hate like having to think about oh well I've got to go there. It, I'm I'm the kind of guy I want to make one trip every like if I have to leave the house I'm going to make one trip. I'm going to go go to this you know run that errand then run that errand. And then on the way back, stop by the bank and then go home. You know, I, I don't want to make five trips in a day. But if I could just pop, boom, bamf, I'm out of here. Oh, I'd, I'd, that'd be best. Now, now, what would be a real downer is if I couldn't take someone with me. Because then it'd just be like, it's pretty useless. Well, I remember in the comic books, he used to cause Nightcrawler pain when he used to take people with him. Yeah, I think they addressed that in one of the movies. He like... He might have just vomited. That might have been the extent of it. But exactly, uh, yeah. I can't see that being so pleasant. But you know, that's just me. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's just me. Well, Anderson, I got great news for you, my friend. You've made it through the geek seat. Congratulations, Mr. Mike Gordon. Tell the young man what he won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth sixty-eight dollars and four cents. Excellent. I survived. <laughs> yes, you survived. That's that's the key. That's the key to consider. Yeah. He, I'm still he doesn't, he doesn't pain, know about so. the Geek Seat Revenge, though. So, you know. He, oh. Know. That's, you know, they'll, they'll find out. They find they'll, out. They find out eventually. Yeah, yeah. They'll find out. <laughs> yeah. um, Anderson, really cool. Where can people find you? Are you doing any cons for the next uh, rest of the year? Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but I will be at Dragon Con this year, and I think that's the last one for this year. Um, and then I, I plan to have a fuller slate last year. I was only planning to go to three cons this year, but I ended up going to six, and next year I'll probably do more than six. So, uh, But people can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Uh, it's at Anderson Carman, and it's C-A-R-M-A-N. Singular, because I'm the only one. It's the key. Um, and then, if people want to read the first chapter of Fear Hunters in black and white, they can find it at fearhunterscomic.com. Um, and I plan to put some updates uh, there uh, for where you can buy it. I'm about to launch my online store so people can actually uh, purchase the comic uh, and get it shipped to them, as well as some of my other sketches and uh, prints and other art. So, yeah, those are the best places to find me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we definitely will have links to that in our show notes. And and thank you so much for joining us. Very cool. I was glad to be here. Thanks, guys. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back when we're going to be talking all about the gorgeous ladies of professional wrestling season three. That's right, folks. It's glow time. everybody iconic rock talk show moment this is michelle and unfortunately today we have some bad news 
Uh, Eddie Money um, has announced that he has stage four esophageal cancer that has spread to his liver and lymph nodes, which is very serious indeed. Um, Apparently he got the diagnosis late last year. Um, He celebrated his 70th birthday earlier this year. He's had more health problems since then. Uh, He had uh, heart valve surgery and had pneumonia after that, which forced him to cancel some concert dates. Um, The announcement came in a a clip from his show Real Money, and the episode will air September 12th. He's uh, going to continue filming the show, and he is scheduled for some uh, concert dates in the Midwest in early September. Um, So he is fighting some definite health battles, and uh, we wish him all the best uh, in this. Uh, This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. This is Michelle. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and we will talk to you again next time. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Vegas. Black magic. Seven. Winner. It's been nice, you know? Me being wrong about you hating Vegas. Business is good. We've sold out for the next two weeks. What do you think of Sandy? She's the entertainment director. Have a drink and play a little blackjack on us. And keep this up and the three of us stand to make a lot of money here. Maybe I can push the money into a pile the shape of my son. <laughs> okay, well, I don't really know what to say to that. I have a job. I have a boyfriend. And somehow, I still feel lost. Maybe you feel lost because you're holding yourself back. I would like to extend Glow's contract until the end of the year. It's stuck! What the fuck is happening now? God, I love opening nights. This is everything we've ever wanted. We can't grow in there for another nine months. I'm the only one who cares about keeping the show alive. I know there's something in the world. What do you want, Ruth? I don't want to ruin what we have. If it wasn't for Bash, then none of us would even be sitting here today. You're happy, right? Listen to your heart. We may never open a show in Las Vegas ever again. Just take a moment and appreciate what is right in front of you. Get us kicked out of every casino here before we leave. (laughs) (laughs) This place can make you a little crazy. (laughs) We're so lucky to all be here together. Some things are worth fighting for. Cheers. Let me out, let me out. Just, I can't take it. Seriously. I'm gonna. Sam, come on! I'm taking the stairs! 
Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we are here to talk about Glow Season 3. Take it away, Mikey. Well, yes, Season 3 is upon us, and yes, we will be full of spoilers. So if you have not seen Season 3 yet, and you wish to go in with knowing nothing, then uh, you better stop right now. Go ahead and binge it, and it won't take you too long. Or, you know, it's, it's it's a pretty quick, a quick uh, binge. And then just come back and you can enjoy our discussion. And we are going to have a great discussion. we got some great folks to talk all about it, including some returning folks. Uh, Julie Philippek is here from the fourth dimension, right? Yes, from the fourth dimension. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't it cool to say you're from a podcast now? I know. Hey, I was, I, was, I was on it from the last time. True. Talked about Toy Story. But it's exciting. It's, it, with your, the fact that you're still going is amazing. So <laughs> uh, the fact that I, we're still going is amazing. So to, to be fair, we we're just about to hit a, you know, season three where, Oh, this is where all the missing episodes are. <laughs> so. uh, that's that's going to be a, a lot of fun. That's a rough road. <laughs> I hope you have the target novelizations with you. I, I might need to invest in that. Mm-hmm. Well, the cool thing is, like I tell kids in my uh, class when I teach people how to podcast, most podcasts don't make it past episode 10. You guys are way past it. We did it. Yay. So very awesome. Well, here's the show that we have definitely all the episodes of, so you can talk all about that. Um, we also have returning with us, Paul Combs. Paul, welcome back, sir. It's good to be back. It's always fun talking to you guys. And we we feel the same way about you. So glad to have you with us. Um, now, um, uh, yeah, I want to get into what what have you been up to? Not much. I, I was hosting a podcast for a while, speaking of that. But unfortunately, my partner and I just went our separate ways. We lasted about sixty five episodes, which was which which is nice. It That's was, a good it run. Was a lot of That's a great run, actually. Absolutely. It, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about podcasting. I learned a lot about. Uh, just it, it helped me get better socially, and it's something I'm glad to have done. I, absolutely, I, I, you know, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from there. And afterwards, we might have to talk a little bit because I'm kind of interested in how you can break off from a part a podcasting partner because of you know without any sort of um, ill feelings. So maybe we'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. I could just cut the cord right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've already been through one divorce. What's another? You know. And also we have with us a returning to the Air Station One podcast, a misbehaving maven. Saber Thompson is here. Hi. We just thought it was appropriate now because the girls of Glow are misbehaving themselves. So It's very true. I, I heavily, heavily identify with like a large part of the cast. So as soon as I saw that y'all were going to be talking about Glow, I was like, I have to do this. <laughs> Yes, yes, and it's very glad. I mean, with your schedule and with DragonCon coming up, we appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, I I was looking at this. I I'm, have three days before we leave, and I was just like, hmm, yes. Let me see how many things I can cram into those three days. So, <laughs> well, let's get right to it. And and since you guys were not on our initial uh, Glow review where we uh, talked about seasons one and two, I'm kind of curious as to what your thoughts overall about the series have been up until season three started. And we'll start with you, Julie. So I actually find it interesting. I am not a big wrestling fan. Uh, I didn't really grow up on it. Don't really watch it even, you know, currently today, but I had a friend of mine 
who was just like, you should watch the show. And I'm like, do I need to know anything about wrestling to get into it? And he's like, no, I'm like, great. I'm in. And, um, what I love about it is it's all interesting female characters with real life problems. And there's so many different, you know, types of, you know, types of people. And I identify with a lot of them in many different ways, you know, just depending on what kind of situation they're looking at at any given time. And so I've loved to see how they've evolved um, throughout, you know, the different seasons. Um, I actually think season between seasons one and two, there wasn't as much evolution as I expected, but definitely season three, it picked it up um, and, and they moved on. So it was just a one day I decided to binge and I've loved it ever since. Wow. Now has it interested you enough to go back and now Netflix has a really great documentary on the original glow series. Have you checked that out as well? Uh, I have not yet. It's on my giant ever never ending <laughs> list of things to watch. Your Netflix queue, right? Oh God. Don't even get me started, but yes, I, I will get to it one day. Awesome. Awesome. Paul, what about you? Well, first off, I was—I will admit—I was not aware there was a Glow documentary. That it's actually kind of fun because I would be interested to hear more of the real life story that uh, from these women uh, inspired this. Yeah, you have to watch it. It actually was what inspired the making of this show. Uh, the producers uh, of Glow, the series, um, saw this documentary and were just amazed by it and were inspired by it, and then they got the rights and, and made a made a drama about it. Well, drama, comedy, whatever you want to call it. Well, I'm glad they did. The, sh- the show has an amazing cast, and it has been fun to see the evolution of these characters, especially even in their relationships. Like we've seen Ruth's and uh, Debbie's relationship grow over these seasons from pure hatred to tolerance to almost like a friendship again in season three. It does feel like they've overcome the animosity they had towards one another. So it was interesting seeing that go from pure hatred to almost ba- almost back to what it was before yeah you almost feel like though that the road's not done right so like it's it could be the calm before another storm huh exactly especially after that blow up we saw at the end of season two because again you were, you you kind of forgot about all the animosity then and then then they have that knockdown drag out fight metaf- metaphorically of course yeah yeah absolutely absolutely Saber, what about you? Where did you stand on uh, the first couple seasons? Um, so, I mean, obviously, I, I loved it. I, like I said, I really identified with a lot of the characters. I was so excited to see a cast of primarily women and having, you know, their stories be the forefront um, of of the show. But it also being something that I feel like, you know, people of of every gender can can really enjoy, um, and. Like I, I did see the documentary. I, I, I had seen that and I actually, it was interesting because I was watching it and I, I didn't grow up watching wrestling or anything like that. I do, I do enjoy wrestling. I, I actually watch like actual competitive wrestling. And then I also watch, uh, you know, WWE, uh, uh, you know, like the, the, uh, oh my goodness, my brain's dying, but, uh, the, uh, the professional, you know, wrestling, like the, the, yeah, the professional, the professional, the, I used to watch like the, the, the male wrestling and stuff sure. like that. And I, I didn't, I wasn't really totally aware that there was a, a whole like women's side of it. Um, but I knew about, um, essentially the character, the, the Hawaiian character that is that, or the, 
the per, the character in the show that that they have um because I lived in Hawaii for a while and there was this controversy going on about that that particular actress and things like that that was in the original like actual in the actual original wrestling show hmm. um and so it was one of those things where for some reason I had I had like this weird like extra knowledge so I'm watching the documentary and going wait a minute, I remember this. I remember people talking about this and like seeing photographs of this person and all of, all of this stuff and like the racial controversy and everything. So, so that was really interesting to watch the documentary and then watch the show and, you know, see the different, all the different sides of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with it, but I also have a very healthy respect for like the original story and how that, how stuff actually went down. Now, since Mike, you and I already talked about, you know, seasons one and two and everything like that, I'm kind of curious going into season three, what uh, your expectations were. It was interesting because, you know, with them going to Vegas at the end of season two, I was almost expecting it to become more of what the TV show became, the original TV show. And, you know, because they filmed it from the lovely Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. And they basically, you know, I was ex- that's what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting what we got this season, that they were doing just a true night after night after night show of wrestling of the same matches over and over again. I was expecting them to add more cast, add more you know, story towards that, that they were going to become a true wrestling organization with, you know, all the people from the original being, you know, from the original for two seasons to coming and adding more characters. And because, you know, at the end of the season, they couldn't even use their same characters on TV anymore because the TV station that was running it in Los Angeles bought the rights to them. So they couldn't do that. So I, that's where I was expecting. And it was going to become the true show like that. And I was pleasantly surprised where they went with it. And it was entertaining more than I even expected. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, yeah, because I, I had, you know, being into professional wrestling as I am, I really appreciated the first two seasons, especially that first season of how it was sort of, you know, um, uh, depicting what mm-hmm. you know real professional wrestling is is like in a lot of ways, especially for people who never knew anything about it. Uh, I thought it was a really good way to uh, to to enter that world. Um, and then the second season did a little bit more of that, and I was kind of like, well, what are they going to do? You know, third season, and the third season they really kind of open it up, open this show up a lot more. Uh, to I think a lot more of experiences uh, the show almost uh, becomes an afterthought this season almost there are there are a few episodes where I think it is 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 it shows like you know that it's how integral it is but there's a few times where it's like it's barely mentioned that they are even performing right well I think it I think that works very well though because we really saw them perfect the the show at the end of season two right when the when the strip, the strip club promoter uh, got got to see it, I can I cannot remember that character's name, but he he got to see it on kind of the perfect night. They were they were going out and they were going out with a bang, and then that's the show they wanted to replicate. There was no need to show us again and again, so it was great because we get to focus more on character growth and learning even more about 
these characters we saw, we got to spend a lot of time with uh, Artie and Yolanda. We got to see their relationship develop. We got to focus on Tammy and her uh, injuries. It was nice. And those are things we wouldn't have got had we been stuck with the wrestling again, to, to put it that way anyway. No, no, I get what you, yeah, I absolutely get what you're saying. There was a, definitely a lot more room for each of the characters to, to be developed a lot more, uh, which was uh, really exciting. Um, so speaking of which, I want to get to what you guys found uh, as compel- compelling um, with the characters this season, because there's a lot of different storylines. A lot of them are cross-intersecting, uh, but I'm kind of curious as to what, you was what you were more attracted to uh, this season. So uh, we'll start with we'll start with Saber actually this round. Well, I mean, I I think one of the things that I really appreciated because they've been kind of playing with it in the they played with it in the first two seasons. You know, they've had um, LGBT QAIP type characters and things like that, but they never really got deep into their personal relationships. They've been hinting for a while, spoiler alert, but they've been hinting for like a long time that Bash is gay or is bisexual or, or something like that. And so it was really interesting to see them kind of delve into like actually showing the characters realizing their, um, identities or exploring with their identities in this season they did a lot of that and i as um as a queer person i really really appreciated seeing that on the screen and also seeing people like having these moments of going am i queer am i not i don't know and also uh, uh, against the background of the aids crisis which is just you know it was horrific at the time what was happening and the um you know just the the amount of discrimination and the fact that people couldn't be open about, you know, the people that they were dating and things like that, that, that hairdresser scene where the, uh, you know, the two are talking about how, um, you know, like they're, they're using uh, the euphemism of just saying like, my boyfriend does this terrible thing and they're, they're fighting about each other in front of this hairdresser because they can't say this is my girlfriend and we're having a fight. Right. Which is what you could do. Now, like you could just be like, my girlfriend and I are having a fight about this. What should we do? Right. But it's like they, they couldn't do that at that time. So it's just, um, I just really like to see uh, it because so many, so often we have like this idealized concept of the past and that, that they're, you know, that maybe things were better than they actually were. And it's like, no, this is, this was a huge problem at the time. So showing both the highlights of like being able to open up and, and have that identity, but then also showing that it's like most people were not okay with it. I, I thought that they did that really well in uh, season three. And it's definitely, yeah, great call because that is a really, really um, um, integral storyline. I think this season and, and it's, it's depicted in this show that you wouldn't really expect it to be, but that's cool. Um, and also the fact that, you know, that it takes place in the eighties, which is almost, as you suggest, the perfect time because as problematic as it was and with the AIDS scare going on, which was crazy. The other thing that was going, I think that that was like a, a coming out period too, for a lot of people. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Like you were, you had like David Bowie and you had a bunch of other, you know, a lot of people were like saying, no, I am queer. I am bi, I am, you know, gay and things like that. People were stepping up and, and taking ownership of their identities and, and 
or at least not hiding them. And it was really like the media that was going, no, no, you're not, you're not really, we saw you, we saw you kiss that girl once. And it's like, no, but, but just because I kissed a girl once doesn't mean I'm, I'm not gay, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but it almost, so, became, yeah. it almost became, you know, something to do something cool on a pop culture level. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, no, though, because you also did have a lot of, you know, they had the gay plague and it right. was a lot of people were so scared because, you know, this was when they're doing this episode. This was my freshman year of college. And this is what was going on on campus also. And, you know, we had we had on the campus I was at and it was a pretty liberal campus, but we had the LGBT organization, um, their mailbox got bombed. Like someone put a pipe bomb in there and everything. And you had people, you know, doing, you know, slurs and like the scene where they were at the club and they were doing the big, you know, the show and the benefit. And, you know, when they came out and they saw this, the slurs everywhere on the walls, on the ground, everywhere that happened to my university. And it was, you know, it was, it was pretty prevalent and it made me just brought back a lot of memories because it was really uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a perfect celebratory coming out. It was a really rough and violent coming out. Like, but I, I, I still contend that the eighties made it a lot more, like acceptable to talk about. Um, and, and some people had to come out because of, because of AIDS, right? Like, and so you got all this, all these people that were kind of surprised to find out that like Rock Hudson was gay, right? So that was, that was a huge thing I remember back then. And, and yet, you know, I mean, look at how many like people who had like pop singles were gay at the time and it was perfect. And we all knew. Right. But like I said, the media still was suppressing it at the time. So that's why I, right. I just found it. I think it was, I, I, I think that glow has done a, especially in season three has done a pretty good job of showing like, yes, there were a, you know, there were way more homosexual people than you think that there were at the time. And then also there's all, there were all of these things stopping them from, you know, like uh, Bash's uh, whole thing of being like, I just want to be the perfect son for my mother even though he obviously has these, you know, uh, he's, he's obviously bisexual or, or pansexual or, or maybe gay. And, um, and at the same time, it's like, he chooses not to live that lifestyle because he's trying to be something else because he knows that the world will not accept him. Right. So the world, there was still a lot of not acceptance. And I think, I think, um, glow did a really good job this past season of showing both true acceptance, like the girls accepting, um, Oh my goodness. Uh, but the, you know, like accepting the, the one character um, coming out as a lesbian and then, you know, showing non-acceptance with like this, the club scene with all of the slurs and everything like that. It's like, you can, you know, there's, there's definitely like, uh, there was a lot of love between friends and being able to be open with each other, but the media and the public in general was still very, very anti. Oh, exactly. And I love that they introduced the character of Bobby this season yes he, oh yeah he was yeah. awesome but i the, thought that was a great character but the, the scene with him and you know talk because when he met bash he saw bash for being hate to say it closeted 
in a lot of ways. His gaydar went off. Yeah, exactly. His gaydar <laughs> went off. And when, you know, Bash didn't acknowledge what Bobby was saying, he says, oh, yeah, I have a son. Just to, you know, to change the subject. Right. And everything. And that was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And everything. Yeah, like, absolutely. But yes, you're right. I, I do think that uh, Bobby was one of uh, probably my two favorite new characters. Uh, this season and uh, Bobby was Bobby was a great addition to the cast. And I really enjoyed how Bobby helped uh, Sheila break out of the Wolfman being so into the Wolfman persona or Wolf woman, I guess I should say. Yeah. She Wolf. She Wolf. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. That's a, that's an interesting one too, though, because there's some good, and I think there's the slightest bit of bad to that as well, because while it was just holding her back, it was, I, I hate to see someone give it up and give up their, you know, their self entirely uh, because, you know, it's like, it's basically kind of in a certain way said that all of that was bad. And yes, while it's weird, who are we to say that she can't do that some of the time because it looks like she just completely discards it and will never go back to that again. And, you know, if you're giving up something, part of you is that necessarily a good thing i'm not wanting to uh, be yeah. inflammatory but i actually completely disagree i think it was so when she had she had gone be beyond that that was almost a security blanket for her and it got to the point where that was unnecessary for her as she saw how as, as she learned, saw how bobby embraced himself and as she saw how the other powerful women on glow embraced themselves i agree actually and it was the her going out on basically into the mountains and the wolf walked away from her when she knew that it was time to give up being the wolf. And I think it was, I don't know. I just, I, I just think it could, there's it. Well, I think maybe for her character, it kind of works, but also at the same time, I, I, I don't want it to be something that people like they, they just, accept that as always being the case. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I understand what you're saying, Julie, in this, in the sense of like, even in the sense of somebody who maybe identifies like with a fursona, right. Cause that's kind of, that's kind of mm-hmm. what was going on there. And, and it's like, that's not a bad thing. It's totally okay for a person to do that. And, you know, it, maybe they want to, maybe someday they go, Oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. But at the same time, it's like, it, it didn't feel as much of her personal own choice so much as like other people, because people have been saying to her for, you know, like, oh, this is holding you back. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's going on here? Can you take this off? You know, when did you, when was the last time you washed that wig? As much as I loved how much Bobby was helping her, it felt like a lot of people were pressuring her to not do that anymore. And it was a lot of sudden pressure, I, I felt in, in season three that mm-hmm. we hadn't really, like people were confused by it but nobody pressured her before. And, and in season three, a lot of people started pressuring and then suddenly she's like, I'm done with this. And it's like, that didn't feel like your choice. That didn't feel like you wanted to do that. That felt like you were, you lost hope. You lost that identity. And so that it did feel a little, it, it, it felt off to me personally. Um, I get, I totally get what you're saying about, you know, it, it kind of needing to happen in that it's like, she, she, did kind of it was it was a good transformation I think in the in the long run, but unfortunately I just feel I feel like she was pressured into it. If they had started it like back in season two, 
I think it would have been a little bit better because there would have been a lead up. Yeah. Uh, given time. Yeah. I agree uh, with that. And I it was, inter- it, it was interesting because when she showed up as, you know, Liza, it would, it was just like, wow, you know, type, type thing. <laughs> and it was like, that's Sheila. And it was just, it was just awesome to see. It would have been great if she would have kept the she-wolf identity as one of her personas and made it like she, every time she showed up, she showed up as a different character almost to show her range. Possibly. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I see. I think, uh, I think it was important, especially, I think it was important for someone outside of the glow group to, for her to relate to. Um, So that, because obviously everybody in the group couldn't really understand as close as they were getting, couldn't really understand her and she, she didn't feel comfortable enough with them. But when Bobby has that scene uh, where he's talking to everybody, like he can see right through each one of these characters um, in public too. Um, uh, I think that drops down the barriers for a lot of the characters and it's kind of a meta moment really, because really for the actress, I was thinking, wow, like, she's just playing this one note for two and a half seasons. It must be so freeing for her to just be like, okay, now I can do like a lot of other stuff now. And uh, I kind of felt that way that the characters were reflecting the, the actress as well. I thought it was, um, although I do agree that it would have been nicer to have a little bit more lead time. I think it was interesting because I remember in season one, when they showed her, you know, she was in the hotel room and she was putting on all the makeup and putting on the wig and everything. It's like, oh, this woman has issues and she is hiding behind this identity. Yeah. And it was just interesting that it took over two seasons to get to that point where I think we're seeing a lot of the I mean, I think the point of season three is we're seeing a lot of these girls become more comfortable with who they are. Uh, with each other and with the rest of like just everybody else, you know, uh, I think that's uh, that's where we uh, where we are with a lot of them. And a lot of them have to, you know, a lot to do, a lot of work to do in order to get there. Um, and it really didn't seem like even though like. Um, uh, so the, the the two main characters, uh, I would say, you know, uh, Ruth and Debbie in the first two seasons there, they appear in almost every episode, of course, in this season as well. But I didn't feel like they were as, as upfront as the main two characters of the show. They kind of, this felt like they were stepping back a little bit, especially Ruth to me. Um, did you guys feel that as well? I wasn't surprised. Really? <laughs> I was, I was actually totally expecting that. Um, but I totally understand. It's like, that's not where, you would think the story would go. It it's one of those things where I, I've I've changed career paths so many times that to me the obvious choice would be like, yes, jump from actor to director. Of course, that makes so much sense. But there's just like there's so much like outside pressure on I think on women to like pick something. And then you do that because you're expected to be like a wife or, or a mother, right? And then she wasn't going to be that. She was going to be an actress. 
right? And she's like has focused her whole life on that, including the glow thing, even though she ended up directing and she ended up writing and she ended up doing all of these other things while doing glow. She still at the heart of it wanted to be an actress. Mm -hmm. And when that dream died for her, you know, quote unquote, when she didn't get this part, she, I, I think that she couldn't, she still couldn't envision herself doing really anything else. So I, I kind of expected them to take it there. You know, when, when uh, Debbie's like running after her, I'm like, whatever Debbie's running after her for, she's not going to, she's not going to accept. Like I, I, I have this like sinking feeling that that's where they were going to take it. I didn't want them to take it that way, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, and particularly surprising was the end, right? Her end decision, which was not to, not to be a director but to continue her path of, of acting, even though she's been kicked a lot uh, on that path this season in particular. Um, were you, was anybody else surprised by her decision at the end? Ruth, Ruth frankly annoyed me this season. Okay. okay. Uh, season three. She's, she's had so little growth. Like she's, she seems to be, she seems to be stuck in a ways and, I, I don't want to say it, but she's she almost seems entitled at this point. Since so she's since she's been the spent the star at the show, star mm-hmm. or become one of the stars of Glow. Like when she when she went to L.A. for the audition, it it, it did seem she was uh, she almost expected it handed to her on a silver platter. Well, I actually think it's interesting. What I think they did is they've developed a lot of the other characters in a more positive direction, accepting themselves and, you know, changing for the better. Whereas with both Debbie and Ruth are kind of spiraling a little bit. So, yeah, it didn't surprise me that Ruth went down that path because, you know, then Debbie has you know, some of the personal issues, the, you know, sleeping with however many men she can and the bulimia and just all of those other problems that, you know, I just think that they kind of flipped it and are making the main characters go through the more, more traumatic pieces. And they did show that in this season, you know, when they were saying, Oh, we're at our 200th, you know, performance. (laughs) And then they showed the whole world going around (laughs) Ruth and Ruth was just staying still and just nothing was happening with her. And that's the way I felt like she was the whole season. Well, and it makes sense because the first two seasons when the series is being developed, she's right there helping with ideas and helping like the show progress. But once the show becomes just one show that's done the same way over and over again, she has no creative. Uh, there's nothing creative for her to do. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, even Sam gets bored and leaves, which that was one of the biggest surprises to me. Like they're, they're like Sam, like halfway through the series, just like leaves and doesn't even like say goodbye or whatever, just leaves to go uh, direct with his daughter, which was a, a, a weird turn that I did not see coming. And I'm still not sure exactly how I felt about that. <laughs> well, you mean Stanley? You're talking <laughs> his whole life. <laughs> uh, I know, right? If they they need to make the Stanley movie now so they could get Mark Maron. Oh, right? he couldn't have looked more Stanley-ish in this season. It was just right there, and I I felt for Sam in this season a lot because he was stifled also, and he started writing his own play or his own movie. And basically from there, his daughter came back in the picture and 
basically had a script that was better than his. And yep. he helped her and he did the first unselfish thing probably of his life. He got her. Yeah, exactly. And he got her into the studios and that was just awesome. And on the day of her success, he didn't want to ruin it for her. He had a heart attack right in oh, that is, the office. That scene is rough. That scene is rough. Yeah. I, I, remember and, I was sitting there and like, he starts having the heart attack and like my partner is like, what's up, what's, what's up with him? And I'm like, Oh, he's definitely having a heart attack. <laughs> like, like, like that is, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, it's surprising to me that he was able to hold off so long to get her like out and on a, you know, in the car and everything. And, but yeah, it's a pretty, pretty rough scene. Oh, I almost yeah. expected, are they killing Mark Maron's character mm-hmm. off right there and everything? Ugh. And that would have been just like apropos for the whole, his whole story. And it was just, it was just amazing. And for those out there who say Mark Maron isn't a good actor, bite me. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can say that about anybody in this cast. There isn't a weak link in this one. I think if anything, the weak link are the two potheads, but (sighs) the ones who play the old ladies. They'll one note, but I think, I do think it works for them just because they, they're, they're not, they're rarely front and center. Most of the time, we're just off to the side, helping uh, with uh, as a plot device. But like when we saw the ra- with the racial things, uh, and or just cracking jokes. And I think, I th- actually, I think their characters work just solely for that purpose. They, yeah, they, I agree. Yeah, I was gonna say they do definitely add like that bit of levity, or you know, they they have like punctuating lines that that draw your focus um, to something else. And it's like you need those characters if you don't have any background characters in your cast of like 12 people it is it's going to be difficult to tell that story <laughs> not, not every character on an ensemble show needs to be front and center or needs to have oh. development some of them are just there to be there that's true yeah i mean they can't yes i mean it is an ensemble but yes they can't all you know we can't go in depth on every single one of them unless the series was like you know double the episodes right which we could all do for um, but you know <laughs> Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd I'd watch more. For I did, sure. I did love yeah, the no. Freaky Tuesday though, because when that, they all that, changed roles. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I was just about to say two of my favorite episodes were the ones where they they flipped the script, where they did something different for their performances, right? Uh, the and and it's interesting because neither one of those was a Ruth idea. Uh, in fact, Ruth seemed to be against. Uh, the second one for sure. Um, so I found that was really interesting, but they both were just really like, that was just a blast watching them do something different. Uh, well, it was also funny because like it felt awkward, but not like a bad awkward. It was just like, you could just tell that like, this isn't normally what happens and why are we doing this? And this may have been a terrible idea, but it was a wonderful <laughs> idea. Well, and it's, it's it's almost like the characters are going through therapy, right? Where they switch their roles, and then because they switch their roles, they get to see each one another from different perspectives. And it's after mm-hmm. that episode where we really start deep digging into them, right? Mm-hmm. Where they really start fronting each other. Because I think they're really aware, and I think that's really true of... Uh, oh, man, I'm going to screw up their names now. Um, all right, who am I thinking of? The um, 
You're talking about, Mel- you're talking about Melrose and the yeah Melrose. And- Thank you, fortune cookie. Well, it's for- I was I was yes. I'm like looking up her Jenny. her character name. <laughs> I know, right? I think I think it's, I think yeah, it's Jenny Che. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes, I think that's uh you know purposefully like really exemplified by that. And then they when they go camping afterwards, it's just like that's. I mean, that's quite a moment there. Mm-hmm. And you don't expect it to come from those two. Oh, yeah. And it was interesting because then Melrose did the whole Passover thing with the Seder. It was yep. just like, okay, this is just too much. I've been to some weird Seders in my life, but never <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, obviously you're doing it wrong. Oh, if you knew some of these Seders, dear, that I went to, so you, so you, you would say not. you never had one with a group of female wrestlers? <laughs> Not yet. In the it's middle early of the stuff. desert. <laughs> I, I see no problem with that. That's one for the bucket list. I have to say, when the series first started, and within the first, what is it, five minutes or whatever, it opens with the Challenger disaster. Oh, as, as God. I was like, I was like, I'm like, this is how we're going to start this season? I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I would just want to, like, I was all ready to enjoy, have fun with the show and everything like that. I'm like, I can't wait for it to come back, turn it on. And then they're all watching the the Challenger. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Because that, I mean, for me personally, that's, I mean, I remember that. That was a devastating day. That was absolutely devastating. And for them to bring that to life like that. I, I, you know, I was like, okay, this is what, this is what we're going to be in for all season. I almost expected there to be a huge backlash because especially with Zoya bad mouthing the whole challenger crew and everything as they were getting ready to take off. Well, well little did you know that after that, and after that, you know, blunder of a performance uh, by her, her, her season doesn't go any yeah. better. No, like her, her season gets worse as the, as as it goes on. Like you have to, oh. you have to believe it could go up from there, but for her, it doesn't. It really did set the tone for her character this season. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So I always have to ask this and just going to shoot it around. If anybody has anything that uh, maybe the season that they were a little disappointed by or something that maybe the, this season didn't pull off that well. I, I have one. Any any sort of criticisms or uh, the, the Tammy thing? The Tammy thing. Okay, she was she was great the first half of the season because they kind of they talked about her injuries. She had the whole episode. You're you're aware of the episode she having all the back, and then they get to the desert. They talk about transitioning her to a manager role, which actually sounds like it would have been a lot of fun and a great fit for her. But we never get to see that. I, w- I would have liked I would have liked to have I would have oh, yeah. liked to have seen her in that manager role, maybe even just for a, yeah. a snippet of a scene. But it would have been fun to see how, how she transitioned, whether or not she, she she was able to embrace the new role. Mm-hmm. That would have been interesting to see. Yeah, good call. I, I don't, yeah, because they kind of just yeah. brushed by that. You're right. It would have been kind of cool to see her in that role, at least a little bit, yeah. Because performance, she established that performance was so important to her at that point. She She wasn't willing to walk away and give it up. So as as I said, I would like to have seen her in our new home. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because you know, I I thought that something bad was really going to happen to her with taking all the pills and the painkillers and the wine and the hot tub. Repeat, wine, hot tub, pills. Repeat. You know, I just thought something bad was coming with her, and I'm glad they made, decided to make her a manager. Yeah. 
Well, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I hate to say it, but I mean, knowing wrestling like I do, it's full of tragic, you know, stories. And I was just afraid that we were going to get one of those this season. Um, And I'm kind of glad they didn't do that to us because that would have wrecked me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that would have been really, yeah. I mean, not to say that it still can't happen. I mean, I think this is, is I think it was also obvious this year, more than the other two, that they knew they were coming back for season four. So I think they Mm -hmm. purposefully left things a lot more open. Oh, big time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it didn't feel... And it's not really criticism, but it didn't feel as complete of a season for me as the other two. What did you guys think of Gina Davis? We haven't even brought her up yet. I, yeah, Gina was amazing, especially oh. towards the end. I thought she was, I was kind of not loving her character in the beginning, maybe. Um, but it's Gina Davis, so you're like, okay. Yeah. But um, But by the end, it's like she's, I'm devastated that they're leaving her that way. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a big disappointment as well. Oh well, that damn bike show. I don't think it would have worked. No, I, think I mean that was coming up. With- no, but she wasn't. <laughs> and she wasn't in favor of that anyway. You know, um, look, I'm not. I'm not surprised that uh, that Bash left her that way. But I'm really surprised that Debbie left her that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still think yeah. Debbie, you know, came across as a very shallow character this season. Oh, yes. And I again, I think that was on purpose. Uh as I was as I mentioned earlier, I think that they really wanted to focus on the other characters and decided that you know what, our main characters, you know, need to take a step down oh, yeah. a little bit. Well, look at, you know, the whole thing, you know, she was complaining and whining. Oh, I'm not with my child. I'm not with my child. I'm here in Vegas working, blah, blah, blah. And then when she got the kid, you know, she was trying to hit, ponder him off on it, anyone else. And it was just like, geez, yeah. that's not a mom I'd want to hang out with. And then what she did to Tex, you know, at the end. Mm-hmm. And but you know he treated her like crap too. You know, oh, you're just there to be the yeah. pretty face, my lady. You I know, was say, I, I, I was gonna say I did, I did like I did like her coming into her own as a businesswoman, yeah. even if her personal yeah. li- even if her personal life was in a in a downward spiral. No, exactly. Yeah, I have, yeah. It's like I have to say her. You know, undermining undermining text was actually a highlight for her character for me this whole season because I was like, yeah, yeah you tell him you're not just a pretty face, and I'm for all sure. up for that. Yeah. I had that exact same thought. Yeah, text seemed like a cool guy <laughs> until all of a sudden he was like, yeah, I don't want, I don't want, you're not my yeah. partner. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it's That's really it. interesting because the show focuses a lot, or at least I felt like this season focused a lot on relationships with older men, like young women with older men kind of thing, because we finally got the Ruth Sam angle, right? For for like a tiny bit there, like for three seconds. Yep. And then of course we have the text, uh, um, you know, relationship. And I was really happy to see that relationship not work out because I was just like, Debbie, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah and i also loved that scene with melrose when she he she thought the guy thought she was a prostitute oh man i called that i called that (laughs) from like the second (laughs) 
<laughs> I was I was so happy about that. <laughs> that was just awesome. Well, what was amazing is that like two episodes later, you find out they're still going together, and she's still she's like, well, I know where I stand with them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fair, I guess. Yeah, we it's it's amazing to me that this show that's about you know advertised as being about like you know women wrestling or whatever it really is so much more than that but it has like strong female characters strong characters period that are you know that have interesting kind of relationships and it and it really approaches um all these sort of uh issues of gender identity and sexual relationships mm-hmm. like almost every single character on here has a different sexual relationship with than anybody else. Oh, very much so. And mm-hmm. I noticed there was a lot more nudity this season than in previous ones. Yeah, I I was yes. I was a little I was happily surprised, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I was not that I was complaining or anything like that. <laughs> no, not at all. But it's interesting because yeah. the 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 nudity doesn't seem exploitive in any way. It almost feels like these like they're they it doesn't they're not putting the actresses in uncomfortable positions. The actresses are like, no, no, this would make sense. To right. Do this. Well, it felt very, exactly. it felt very natural, and it felt very, n- again, not like you said, not exploitive, non-sexual. It's like, yeah, of course, she's topless in the dressing room. You know, that's what you do in a dressing room. You get you change your clothes. You know, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I appreciated that. Well, exactly, and it's like when they did the threesome scene. It was like I called it even before they even got it in Batch even came into the room. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. And it was it was hot and it was good. It was it felt natural. It wasn't like forced on you. Well, it's interesting because that sort of leads to my, I guess, almost final question for you guys is where. Do you see season four going? Where do you want to see the characters go? Unfortunately, it doesn't look like um, a lot of them are on great paths right now. Because I certainly don't think that uh, Bash and Rhonda, our relationship is is in a good place. Um, I'm also worried about, you know, they kind of, uh, uh, Cherry and, uh, what's her his name? Keith. Yep. Uh, Huh? Keith, right. Like, uh, like they get back together pretty quickly, but it's, you know, I don't know if that's resolved either. Mm, if it was resolved. I think that is. I think the whole thing with the adoption. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. She just didn't want to have a baby. She didn't mind being a parent, especially because he said, you know, he would take care of the child while she worked. And, you know, and for her to say, and for him to say the adoption thing, that was awesome. I thought that was like great on his part. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, it's partially, I don't know where it's going and partially I'm really sad is uh, Carmen. I really love Carmen. And one, I thought she didn't get as much time on screen as some of the other characters. And I was, you know, sad about that. And, you know, again, her having to be the, you know, everyone goes to her because she's always around and she's never busy and, and everything. And now she's going to be leaving completely. I'm like, I loved her in the show. (laughs) Don't leave completely. 
Yeah, she, I think more than almost anybody else in the series, is really kind of based on a uh, a real life character in Glow. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, it'll be really interesting to see if they kind of go that path with her, which will be a, a pretty dramatic path if they do. But, uh, yeah, I got the feeling that she was on the brink. They were on the brink of really having her character break out, but then it, it ended. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> so maybe, next, maybe next year will be Carmen's year, you know, because obviously if, I think I think with the new station and everything, they're going to bring Glow back is what I feel like is going to happen. And so if they do that, then they're going to try to get everybody who's going their separate ways now back together. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that works. And, you know, whether that involves new people or some people not coming back, I, I don't know. There's certainly nobody in here that I don't want to see come back. Do we have any... um word on on season not four? yet okay not yet because even mark Marin on his podcast says we haven't heard anything yet yeah gotcha well i mean <laughs> they have to come back right i think that's that's necessary but it, it's interesting it's it interesting because the way i felt like at the end of the season i felt oh is this next season going to be the last season it just had that kind of like oh, oh yeah towards a final type thing. Mm. What season yeah. four? Yeah, yeah, that could be. That you know, I mean, it seems like it seems like some of the things that they're building towards. Like I never really, well, I didn't really expect Ruth and Sam to kind of get together this season. Uh, not like, I mean, they still haven't fully gotten together, but I didn't expect for that to be addressed as much as it was this year. I think when we talked about seasons one and two, we were even wondering if that should really even be a thing. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think that it was nice to see some of that relationship happen, but I really hope that they don't make it happen in season four. (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I just don't want them to be together. I just don't. (laughs) Well, for me, it's a, it's a, it's, it's been dragged out too long. Just make a decision. Just, don't drag yeah. it out for the rest of next season. Address it in the first one or two episodes and then just stop. <laughs> I, I don't need that. I need, I need other things to happen and not just yeah. say, will they, won't they? Definitely going to have to write so a will there, won't they verse for uh, Dragon Con this year for that. Because, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, very cool. Well, thanks everybody for talking about season three with us. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, we will, we would definitely hope to be all back for season four. Uh, we don't know when that'll happen. Hopefully it happens. And uh, you guys are of so welcome back to join us then too. Uh, so, but right now we're going to take a quick break and do the uh, ESO network con report. Bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, This Geek Girl is talking about the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark movie. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is a book most adults who went to elementary school in the 90s know about. The creepy haunting artwork, the spooky stories that are hard to forget, they stayed with you, and I know because I still remember a handful of them very vividly. 
especially with the super creepy artwork that was that went along with each story. This movie was a lot of fun. It's a movie for teens and up, and the story is very much a YA horror film. But the makeup effects and fun storyline make it super enjoyable for adults as well. A group of kids explore a house in their local town on Halloween that is said to be haunted by a ghost of a young girl whose family treated her really, really horribly. The girl had a book and would read scary stories to children through the wall of her room, and then those children started to disappear. So the main female character of this story recites the words, Sarah Bellows, tell me a story, and steals the spooky like horror story book that Sarah had in her room in the haunted house. Then each one of the kids who went into that haunted house that night start to be written into their own horror stories in the book and start to disappear. And each of these horror stories is a classic story from the scary stories to tell in the dark book. So we get to see a lot of the stories that are in that book come to life and the monsters or the creatures in them also come to life. The makeup effects in this film are absolutely my favorite part of this movie. They are amazing. The creatures and the monsters are spot on from the artwork, which the creators of these makeups only had that one image that went along with each story to go by. So it is amazing how fantastic these look. And they looked amazing on camera as well. Like they were just fantastic. Like this is absolutely great. The, story, the stories in them are also a lot of fun, too. And even if you don't like horror movies, you'll be okay with this one. It's got very, very few jump scares. And for the most part, it's just a fun young adult film that older adults will also enjoy as well. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. For the week of August 30th, 2019, it's the ESO Network. Con report. Well, speaking of cons, there are uh, no bigger and better cons for us to be at than Dragon Con. And if you're listening to this, uh, the release of this episode, we are in Dragon Con right now. A lot of the ESO network folks are there. So if you're, if you happen to be a Dragon Con, I don't know what you're doing listening to this right now, but come by and say howdy to one of us at one of our panels or uh, at, uh, at my table at uh, in artist alley. Um, and uh, you know, we'd love to see you and we probably will see you and there'll be a ton of you there. So we hope you all have a good time. And on the other side of, of dragon con, we will all touch base and tell you how it was. And for those people who couldn't go to dragon con, we're going to do what we can to bring dragon con to you. We will have uh, some panels that we'll be releasing um, so that everybody can hear them. Uh, there'll be a lot of other panels that we'll be releasing for our patrons. So, um, and uh, we'll be posting pictures, and it's just all going to be a blast. So we are going to do what we can to bring the con out to those people who can't be there as well. So, uh, But Dragon Con's not the only event happening this weekend where you can find ESO Network folks at. Um, it, August 30th through September 1st is the Indiana Comic Con. That is in Indianapolis. And Drew of the ESDCU show will be in attending that. He doesn't have a table, uh, so he'll just be wandering around. So if you, ha- you want to check out um, or, or 
say hi and howdy to Drew. Uh, reach out to him uh, via um, Facebook or um, other ways and uh, let him know you're going to be there so you guys can meet up because uh, otherwise he will be just roaming around looking for people. Um, and then the week after that, September 5th, uh, Nick Hoffman, the host of Myopia, Defend Your Childhood, will be performing with his cinema group, Cineprov, on September 5th at the Plaza Theater in Atlanta. They will be riffing Robot Holocaust. And uh, there's a, the, if you don't know what Cineprov is, it's a, it's a great thing. Nick's been on to talk about it a few times. It's kind of like, kind of like a live version of MST3K, uh, but sort of done with a local flavor. In fact, uh, Creative Loafing Atlanta, uh, 2018's People's Choice for winner of Best Comedy Show was Cineprov. So we are proud of Nick and uh, he'll be performing again on September 5th. So hopefully you can check that out. And then at the end of the month, September 27th to September 30th, uh, Mike and I are going to be attending Monsterama, that is in Atlanta, Georgia, or just north of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so we want to see more people out there. So come by and get your monster on. It's a small show, but it's it's a nice, intimate show, and it's got a really relaxing feel. So if you need a convention to kind of chill out and be social about and relax after Dragon Con, it's like one of the perfect places you can go. So we, uh, we'll have more about Monsterama in the next couple weeks uh, to, to promote a little bit more about that show. It's been a while since we've had Anthony on anyway, so we're going to try to get him back and see if he can tell us a little bit more about what's going on this year. But in the meantime, if you've got conventions that you want us to talk about besides Dragon Con or besides Monsterama, please reach out to us because we love talking about conventions. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us here tonight. Let's thank our guests. Saber, thank so much for coming tonight. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited that I was able to be a part of this. I, I really do love the show and I love being on the ESO network. So thank you so much. Hey, it's our pleasure. And anything you want to shout out about? Yes, Miss Behaving Maidens are going to be at Dragon Con this coming uh, well, Labor Day weekend. Uh, we have two concerts. We have a big concert Friday night and a big concert Saturday night. They put us in bigger rooms this year, so hopefully the rooms don't fill up as quickly. Um, and we've got a couple of panels and things. You can look at our Facebook, um, facebook.com slash Maidens. And we have an event up there with all the details. That's the easiest way to find out exactly what we're doing at DragonCon this year. So Find them on the mobile app, folks. Definitely. Yes. Definitely on. Yeah, everything will be on the mobile app. Just search Miss Behaving Maidens and, uh, you know, star all of that, add it to your calendar. And then if you come to any of our shows or panels, make sure you rate it in the app. Or if you don't come to the show, still rate it in the app. You know. Yes. Five, stars. <laughs> five, five excellent stars. And of course, um, are you going to be performing anytime after Dragon Con? We've got two local shows here in Maryland. Um, one in November and one in December at our usual haunts, the Limerick Pub and the New Deal Cafe. And then we've got, we're already booked for MarsCon um, early next year. We ha- are booked for Fantasive, um, which is also fairly early next year. Um, that's a new, newish convention. We're, we're going to be guests of honor there. Um, we've been asked to do a couple of other conventions, but we haven't signed contracts. I'm not going to talk about those, but we are... We're really excited for next year. We've got a lot on our plates. Um, 
but yeah, we're excited to, to just make it happen. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. And folks, if you haven't heard the misbehaving mavens before, what are you waiting for? These ladies are fantastic. Give them a shout and listen to it. And of course, Julie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's always a lot of fun. Um, Want to plug your podcast? Of course. Of course. Anthony would hate it if I didn't. Um, So I am a part of uh, Watchers in the Fourth Dimension. Uh, We are a podcast that is watching Doctor Who from the very beginning, starting with William Hartnell and the Unlikely Childs and going as far as we can. Um, we just released, uh, actually a special episode featuring Mr. Mike Gordon, um, <clears throat> uh, just, uh, from, uh, Hulanta, which was a couple months ago. And, um, you can find us on, you know, all the podcasting apps and, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that. And it's watchers in 4d. That is awesome. And Paul, last but not least. As always, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun talking glow with you and the the other guests tonight. It was a ton of fun. So since you're not podcasting, anything else you want to shout out about? Well, actually, my friend's writing a podcast. It's it's about to be recorded in the fourth season. It's called The Blood Crow Stories. It's um, kind of like an old school radio novelization. That's kind of what they're trying to channel. And season four is about to start uh production and they're actually going to be doing a live recording at dragon con this year oh that's awesome that oh, is cool. awesome if you could send me the link we'll have it up in our show notes okay that'd be awesome and mr mike thank you as always as always it's my pleasure Ooh, and my you voice. made it through with your voice <laughs> <laughs> yes i i do apologize to all our listeners for having to put up with my voice this this week i was going to call you peter brady but you know it's okay i didn't want to miss this though i love I loved seasons of glow. So I just wanted to talk about it. It was fun. So what do you want to shout out about then? Well, well, this might be the reason my, my voice is kind of out. Uh, on Thursday, I saw uh, Queen when Adam Labert uh, perform at the state farm arena here in Atlanta. And the show was amazing. Uh, one of the best shows I've ever seen in my entire life, despite the fact that I was up really high in the rafters and uh, I'm really scared of heights. So it was a journey and adventure getting there to my seats. But once we were there, it was awesome. They made me forget all about uh, my fear. And uh, like they put on a great show. It was a great show, um, performing all the great Queen songs. And Adam was fantastic. Um, I don't think I'd ever seen him perform at all, really, until this. So uh, I was... American Idol? No, don't watch that. I don't want to do American Idol. Um, <laughs> so I didn't vote for him. Sorry. That's maybe why he lost. Um, but uh, no, he was the big winner that night. And uh, I, I really had a great time. And not only was the music amazing, but the the light show and the effects that they put out, uh, they, they put on, it felt like a real, like, 70s, 80s rock show. Like, it was just fantastic so um they're still touring so if you get a chance uh i think they they ended this leg of the tour in charlotte and i think they're going to go to europe and then they're going to come back here so if people get a chance go see them if you're just kind of like ah, i don't know it's not freddie don't worry about that you know they don't try to be freddie adam's not trying to be freddie he's adam then it still sounds amazing that's awesome the videos that people have been posting and the picture you posted it just 
looked like an amazing show and it's definitely on my list probably next time they come through should be a lot of fun all right for me my shout out real real quick is going out to disney of all places they announced that's right folks disney plus is coming november 12th yes all you marvel fans (laughs) all you disney heads all you you know People who, you know, the Simpsons are even going to be on it. All you fans of anything. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> I was going to say Lucas Lucas fans, yeah. What What is this DC you speak of? No, <laughs> no uh, it's it's just amazing. Disney Plus has finally been announced, and they've also announced uh, the first day they go live, Mandalorians is going to be on there. So, <laughs> so it, it, it sounds awesome, folks. It just looks great. So check with you, Disney. They're already taking orders for it. Uh, they're doing a package deal. I know with, uh, Hulu and ESPN for all three channels for the same price that you're paying for Netflix. So I think they're trying to take aim at a certain s- streaming company. I don't know what you think, but <laughs> Disney plus folks, I'm excited. Oh, I'm uh, not giving up glow. Nope. Oh, for sure now. No. What do you mean? Glow will eventually be on Disney, dude. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. And they'll be Disney princesses. <laughs> Even Mark Marin. <laughs> you know somebody's going to cosplay that at Dragon Con this year, right? We're, we're going to get the Glow cast as Disney princesses. I'm sure it's going to happen. Oh, uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> and we, we last year we saw some amazing Glow mm-hmm. costumes at mm-hmm. Dragon Con. I'm looking now, Saber, to if it. I don't see that, I'm going to be disappointed this year. Okay, well then maybe I'll have to put it together for uh, for 2020. <laughs> hey, all the mavens can do that. I mean, we've talked about it. <laughs> there you go. See, 2020 is not that far away. But we will be back again next week, folks. And we are going to be coming to you live from DragonCon. That's right, folks. We're going to be bringing you at home for those who can't make it. We're going to be giving you the Galaxy Quest 20th anniversary panel that we are doing with Joe Crow's classic sci-fi track. That's right. We're going to be up there talking for an hour all about Galaxy Quest and Tim Allen and crew. It should be a lot of fun uh, to talk about. And we also are going to do some bonuses. Some of the interviews we're going to be getting over the weekend are going to be part of that episode also. So I can't name names yet because we're not able to disclose those yet but you'll be surprised on who's going to be there and you never know who could show up even you know a certain time lord who's wibbly wobbly timey wimey (laughs) just saying so you never know who we're going to be talking to but until then my name is mike faber thank you all for listening have a great time if you're going to be at dragon con heck you could be listening to this at dragon con and if you're listening to this at dragon con why aren't you out there having fun come on go 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 if not We'll talk to you next time here on the Air Station One podcast. Peace. And we're done. Ta-da. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. 
Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.